Bible says. What? The Bible says. What? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says. What? Well, hey, hey, hey. Welcome to the Bible Says What podcast. Good to be with you once again. Hey, I am Pastor Paul from Columbus, Indiana, and this is my my dear friend, Pastor Paul. Well, no, I'm not Pastor Paul. I'm Pastor John from Centerville, Ohio. Glad to be here, man. I'm excited for a little Bible study. Yeah, again. so we're talking about the Bible and stuff, and we're digging into your questions and wrestling with the beauty and the complexity of the Bible. Uh, one of the most controversial – well, I shouldn't say not one of – the most controversial book the most, yeah. <laughs> ever ever printed and very complex, but it's such a beautiful book also. So we, we come to admire the book and dissect it and talk about it and live it. It is just such a beautiful conversation. And it's always so good to be able to talk to you, John, about the Bible because yes, you are so it. awesome. Oh, thank you. He's such a nice guy. I do I do really enjoy talking about it. And you had such nice words, you know, complex. I was thinking confusing, frustrating. <laughs> and I think we want to tell you as a listener, uh, as pastors, we, we feel the same things you do a lot of times when we read the Bible, and it's okay. Uh, it's okay to have an, uh, an interactive encounter with the Bible in all sorts of ways, where it's wonderful and beautiful and also equally confusing, complex and frustrating and that is our hope for the bible says what that we can be here and have safe conversations and normalize the reality that sometimes the bible is just hard sometimes it makes you go what right that's, that's right here. that's right that's right and we, you should and we want to listeners too. you should subscribe yeah and subscribe so we want to say thank you to all our listeners out there for uh journeying with us in this Bible conversation. And thank you for sending us your questions and please continue to do so. You can check out ways to communicate with us in the show notes and uh, please subscribe, share with your friends, share on social media if you like what you hear. Uh, and so, yeah, we're, we're here to wrestle with the beautiful text of the Bible and today, we continue the conversation that we started last time, talking about the afterlife, dealing with this kind of supernatural series of topics. And so last time, uh, Pastor John, we talked to, about the afterlife. What do we do? Where do we go after we die? So Yeah, and what happens there? I'm hoping there'll be some good food and some barbecue and picnics and all kinds of, but if you're wondering what we talked about you should go back and listen it's on our website and all that good stuff so check it out yeah so we're, today we're going to continue that conversation talking about the resurrected bodies like resurrected bodies what a like topic zombies that is right? kind of thing like yeah kind of like out zombies. of the grave my hand comes yes. out of the so what comes to mind when you think of like resurrected bodies, John? What, well, what... it goes right to this idea of heaven. You know, I think it's a, a very um, popular, I don't know if popular is the right word, but we all think about heaven, especially in the faith community and not just the Christian faith. I think we're all wondering across the board uh, in interfaith circles, what happens after we die? I think it's the motivation of um, most humans across time. Uh, and our pursuit of faith conversations, because we want to know what the heck happens and where do we go? Uh, do we float off into nothingness? Do we reappear as a squirrel? Um, you know, what, what happens when we die? In our Christian perspective, right, is heaven. 
Um, and we believe that Jesus is central to that conversation, what, what goes on post-death. But yeah, it's an interesting thing, right? So we just talked about this afterlife thing. What is heaven like? And now we're jumping to this resurrection of the body. And it's interesting to me, too, because I find in our current world, and I wonder if, if you've experienced this, Paul, but I, I don't find us talking a lot about resurrection in the sense of us bodily. I think we have a lot of conversations, especially around Easter, of the resurrection of Jesus. And we like to talk about heaven. But I don't know, like thinking back, I don't remember maybe not even one sermon about the resurrection of the body. And I grew up in the church. We talked a lot about heaven and the resurrection of Jesus, but this resurrection of the body thing is kind of interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree completely with you. I remember the first time I preached a sermon on the resurrection of the body and people looked at me like I was freaking weird. I mean, seriously, they're like, what? Our our bodies are coming back. No, because no, I think no. we, spirit, we spiritualize this whole thing, right? We so we think about the physical resurrection of Jesus, but when we talk about our resurrection, we think of it as kind of a spiritual resurrection. We are resurrected from the dead of sin, and we are brought to life with Christ, which is true, but uh, central to the faith of Christianity, historic, is this uh, doctrine of the resurrection of the body. And every Protestant church in their article of faith, as far as I'm aware of, has the resurrection of the body as central into their belief system. So it's everywhere, but we just don't right. talk about it because zombies and, you know, like right. anytime stuff. we talk about my body coming back at some point, it's never an, a good uh, image. <laughs> I don't want all... my body to come back. <laughs> then I'm concerned, like, which which version of my body is going to be? Is it going to be like my hopefully 90-year-old one, saggy <laughs> and, and weird discolored arms where my tattoos are? Or am I going to, like, come back in my strapping 20s? Or, like, wh- which body is coming back? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, that's an interesting conversation too. Uh, and and we have some things to to talk about in that respect as well, because Jesus, you know, when he was resurrected, he showed up and people saw him. We're going to talk about that today a little bit, but you know, when he was with the disciples, Thomas was like, I don't, I don't, are you really this Jesus? I want like, I want to see the scars and stuff. So the resurrected body of Christ was not perfected in the way that we might hope or think it had wounds in his hands and scar in his side where the spear pierced. And there's been a lot of academic conversation about what Christ's glorified body was really like and what it meant for the scars and wounds to be there. But it makes one wonder, <laughs> like, am I going to, you know, the, when I bash my head on the on the diving board when I was 12 and had 12 stitches right there between my eyes, is that going to still be there when I'm, or when I bash my chin? Uh, you remember the rad racers where you would go sideways like this and go real fast with these oh, yeah, scooter yeah. things. We were riding them in the basement and I hit a patch of carpet and went flying and busted my chin open, man. Is my chin going to, you know, is my chin scar under my beard going to be there in heaven? Well, or, I have a question. So yeah. when I went, when I got drunk, when I was canoeing in college, and I sliced my hand on a beer bottle. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. I want you to repeat that. When I got drunk on a canoeing when I got drunk trip in college, in college on a canoeing trip. Yes, yeah, Pastor Paul. I, share. I reached down. I reached down and into the water, and there was a broken beer bottle. Not the beer bottle I was drinking because I had a different one. And I Thank sliced God, my hand. Which you wouldn't have known if you were drunk. Right, right, right. 
That's true. <laughs> and I sliced my hand. I still have the scar. So is that scar, Whoa. you know, be, because, I mean, it was, it, it wasn't a good thing. It was an I act did. of pure genius. And <laughs> But I mean, when I'm resurrected, when I'm resurrected, is that not going to be there because I've been forgiven of that a whole event? I, yeah. I'm just being light. I mean, it's, but yeah, yeah. What is it going to look like? You know, and I think yeah. I think that's why maybe part of part of the reason why when we think of afterlife and we think of this resurrection idea that we tend to kind of lean towards this spiritualized version of what what takes place after death because we want perfected beautiful enjoyment i mean obviously that's what our hope is for heaven that it's a little bit better than here <laughs> right now right, right? i mean we, right. we want life to suck a little less uh, and we hope heaven is like way way less suckier you know that's it's great um but this separation way thing here like yeah way that. less suckier you like my that's my highly yeah, good refined english, right english language <laughs> but we do have this separate um and i think that stems from and maybe we're not aware of it like on on the surface level but underneath the surface is this kind of platonic world that you were chatting about this a little bit as we were preparing and so one of my favorite authors of about this specific topic is N.T. Wright. We're going to chat about him today. I know you love uh, Tom and all of his writings and, and specifically what he has to say about the resurrection of the body. But he, he references this idea that we have a broken imagination. I was listening to a podcast today, Ask N.T. Wright. I think it's episode 11. If you want to go check it out, a little plug for, for old N.T. Wright. But he was talking with another author friend and they were talking about this reality of heaven and resurrected bodies. And, and the, the guy looked at and he right and said i just can't get my head wrapped around my physical body being in heaven like where will it go what will it do and and tom looked at the guy and said you, what you have is not a heaven problem you have an imagination problem that you have you've been uh, just this platonic worldview has distorted your ability to imagine what heaven and resurrection will look like and so what is the Platonic worldview? Plato was a guy that wrote back in like 340 BC, and his main premise was this reality that the world was separate separated into two realities. There was the physical realm, which was kind of the place of imperfection, and then there were perfected images or spiritualized versions of these things in the physical realm that lived somewhere else. There, there was a, like, you have this beautiful tree over here. Well, the perfect form of that tree existed in the spiritual realm. And that seeped its way into us as humans that in the physical realm, we have this other perfected place that we're going to exist or can exist in. And that was, it was all throughout Greek understanding of the world and the, and the Roman culture and would have been, um, in place in the first Corinthians church, which we're going to talk about today. And, and 2000 years later is still in our imaginations. I think most people, when they think of heaven and resurrection, they, they probably will jump to this idea that someday I'll die and my physical body will be gone and I'll float away somewhere and exist in this other plane. You know, I'm thinking of like Marvel now, like <laughs> the multiple universes, you know, I'll exist in the heaven realm the multiverse that's right the multiverse yeah right that's like, <laughs> i'll be in heaven which is some beautiful spiritual place right. but but we, we yeah. believe uh, these two separate things you know and i think that's a part of the conversation today for sure i mean absolutely and i think you know we're going to talk about the church in corinth who really struggled with this idea of physical resurrection and paul is really the whole 15th chapter 
of first Corinthians deals with this topic of resurrection. And Paul's like, Hey, if you remove the resurrection of the body away out of your belief systems, the whole thing collapses, right? The whole gospel collapses. So uh, it is foundational. Uh, the resurrection of the body is super important. And Paul is telling that church in Corinth. And and it, it, it's super important for us today. Like I said, it's in our Articles of Faith. And you go back to the Apostles' Creed, kind of like the first creed or first big statement that the church created in the 300s. Um, it is, uh, there's towards the end, it says the resurrection of the body. And so it's everywhere. It's super important. And there was a lot of conversation then and today about what does that physicality really look like? And really, I mean, I think the best place to start with, and we already kind of hit it a little bit, is the resurrection, resurrected body of Jesus is kind of the prototype or template for our resurrected body. I mean, most most uh, Jewish people believe that there was going to be a resurrection at the end. Uh, they didn't foresee that there was going to be one person who would be resurrected first. Uh, so that's where the confusion came in. They thought at the end of days, the end of time, that there would be this massive resurrection of the dead. Um, but Jesus is the prototype or the template of these resurrected bodies. So we kind of have to look at Jesus' body. Yeah, the prototype. That's such a cool way of thinking about it. I like how you say things a lot of times, Pastor Paul. And 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 prototype draws my heart as well to how how central like this is the first image, the first moment of of a glorified resurrected body of a human, you know, where Jesus at that again the prototype. And the apostle Paul brings us focus. I know that our focus like zeroed in and I know we're going to talk about this specifically today, but in in chapter 15, as Pastor Paul said, the entirety of chapter 15, we really encourage you, read chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians. It's a wonderful chapter to study if you're interested. And, and the Bible talks about a resurrection of the body in other places. But in, in verse uh, like 13, Paul gets right to the point of chapter 15. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And then verse 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is our faith. So if like we're going to talk about something pretty Boom. important, <laughs> like drop the freaking mic. If you've never talked about resurrection of the body before, you should, because the Apostle Paul happens to think it's pretty central to what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a Christian, is to have a healthy understanding of what is this resurrection of the body all about and why does it matter so much? Uh, so we're going to we're going to unpack that a little bit. Where are we heading to specifically today? I think what. You said 42 well, through 44? Yeah, yeah. We're going to look at uh, 42 to 44. I mean, you really can look anywhere in the whole chapter. It's, it's such an awesome chapter. In fact, if you take a look at um, uh, the whole chapter, you will see some really just amazing, amazing truth. But we're going to focus in on 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44. So I'll go ahead and read that. I'm not really sure what translation this is. So just pretend it's your favorite translation. <laughs> Paul Desai translation. I'm pretty sure he's PDV. reading the actual Bible, everybody. <laughs> so, here we go. Uh, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead? The body that is sown perishable, it is raised imperishable. If it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in natural body, it has raised a spiritual body. So there is a compare contrast between our current bodies and our resurrected bodies. 
you almost could do a chart, right? You could have the, the things that are sown, kind of this idea of a seed, right? Kind of a seed, you kind of, you, it goes into the ground, it goes into the ground a certain way and it's raised a different way, right? Uh, and so Paul's doing a compare and contrast. And the first thing on there, it says, our present bodies are perishable, but are resurrected or our kingdom bodies, the bodies that are meant to live in God's kingdom or heaven are imperishable. What do you think of that? For me, it, it harkens back to the image of, of Adam. Uh, when God in the beginning took the dust of the ground, the Adama of the ground, the, like the earth itself and, and did some crafting, you know, <laughs> and, and this physical substance of creation that God spoke into being, he formed and molded and then breathed part of himself into the Adama and brought it to life. And uh, for me, it just, it brings my mind back to this picture of, of Adam who was physical and spiritual, like that, that God formed him of, of creation and then breathed the eternity of God, of the very life of, of God himself into Adama, this merging of physical and spiritual, this merging of, of, well, in the, in the original creation too, we forget, you know, the first two chapters of Genesis are this picture of, I believe what a gl the glorified human was meant to look like all along right? as as physical and spiritual merge together, we have the imperishable human, but then death enters the picture and and distorts it and makes it perishable again. So it's it's like this back and forth. We have we have this glorified human brokenness and it's become perishable and death is in the picture. And now we have Jesus entering in, bringing us back to that original intention. Uh, but for me, it just connects to that idea that in the beginning, when death started into the into the story. What was imperishable became perishable, right? And it's not, I don't know if it's necessarily characteristic of the physicality of humanity. That's the perishable part. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I love how the Apostle Paul goes back and forth with these descriptions of, again, pointing us to the prototype of Christ and what he accomplishes yeah. through the resurrection. Yeah, so we have this imperishable body, this body that will not perish anymore. It's been, it's almost indestructible in a certain sense uh, when it's raised. When it's put in the ground because of sin, uh, it perishes, right? But because we're born to new life, we're born imperishable. And then that second word is dishonorable and then glorious, right? So we know that our bodies are, all you gotta do is look in the mirror. <laughs> Let's just face it. Oh, just There's a lot of dishonor yourself. on this body. There's a lot of dishonor <laughs> on this body right here. Like you know, it's it's a mess, right? I, and, yeah. and so then this this body that is raised will be glorious, modeled after the prototype of the glorious body of Christ, right? In all His glory, is His body is resurrected. And, and keep in mind, you know, Jesus' body still had scars, and that didn't make That's them. Interesting. Uh, that didn't make it less glorified that the scars were part of the glory of the resurrected body. The, the, the scars are symbols of healing, right? What, what people uh, meant for harm, God turns it and uses it as a sign of healing and resurrection, right? So when we see the scars on the hands and the side and the feet of Jesus, we're reminded that God is in the resurrection business, right? That even the wounds uh, uh, don't have the last word, right? They are healed. Death doesn't have the last word. We are brought to life. And so, um, yeah, it's so beautiful, isn't it? 
I love that idea too, that the wounds can be repurposed, you know, or re re imaged. Whereas wounds here on earth are distortions of, of, you know, things that we would hope to get away from or, or traumatic events that have harmed us. And yet in our resurrected body, they're, they're re imaged as proclamations of how God restores all things and uses them for his good, you know? And yeah. A, a great example of this, a great example is, is, uh, so I had, a, you know, I had a journey with cancer and, and I had a surgery and I have a, yeah, I have a scar from like right at the top of my chest all the way down to my belly button, right? Like an open heart surgery kind of scar. And, uh, when I go swimming at the beach, I do not take my shirt off. Yeah. Right. I hide that scar because it's dishonorable in my mind, right? You don't show off your scars here on earth. You hide your scars, right? And even all of the different creams that are used to do what? To, to, right. to, to hide our scars. We're trying to, we're trying to, you know, to keep them from showing. But in the resurrectedness, these scars are a sign of God's glory at work in. So, but it, it's perfect. These bodies are, are made uh, to be glorious. And glorious includes the healing stories of Christ. And then the next one is weak. Um, uh, we go into the ground as a seed as weak, in weakness, but we come uh, in the resurrection powerful. So weak versus powerful. And you look at the life of uh, uh, Jesus' resurrection body. He's kind of going through walls and locked doors and all kinds of crazy stuff. There is some power there that's kind of marvelous you know, that we see on Disney plus, right? Yes. Right, John. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. I lost you. There. Okay. I was like, I, I was reading Marvel. the scripture again. He's like talking away. I'm, I was reading the scripture. Connecting I brought with something. up Marvel and I thought, Oh yeah, John. I'm going to be there. right anyway. on it. <laughs> and last up uh, is natural versus spiritual. And I think it's really important when we talk about the spiritual, this is where the confusion enters in. We think of spiritual, yeah. we think of non body or non-bodily uh non uh physical yeah but um it is it is physical it's just it's confusion of our understanding of the word spiritual um you know in in hebrew there is no word for spiritual right so everything is spiritual in god's eyes everything has been endowed with the sacred uh but we kind of separate that because of that platonic stuff that you mentioned on the front end we think of spiritual as another category, like a whole separate category. But in God's eyes, spiritual is interwoven into everything, right? And physicality is spiritual or sacred. Hey there, listener. Thanks again for taking time to be part of the conversation here on the Bible Says What podcast. You are the reason that we're here. Pastor Paul and I love hearing from you, talking about the things that interest you, that are important to you. So make sure, as you stay connected with us, to take a moment right now, if you haven't already done this, to go and click that subscribe button and share it with someone around you. Invite someone else to the conversation. And last but not least, we want to hear from you. We would love for you to email us any questions that you might have about the Bible. You can find our emails in the show notes today or any other episode of The Bible Says What. All right, let's get back now to the end of this amazing conversation on The Bible Says What.
Yeah, and we see it all throughout, not just with our bodies, but even how Jesus taught us to pray. I know we're, we both are very focused on the Lord's Prayer, and right at the beginning it says, God, we pray that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This It's this merging, it's, it's the common metaphor throughout all of Scripture, this merging of the physical and the spiritual, the, the earthly and the heavenly, the human and the divine. It's, it's God uh, coming together unified with us, and that's a cool picture that again connects us to the idea that it's not a separation of spirit and and physical body but it's one and the same thing which is we really need to uh reimagine that reality i think that's important maybe for you as a listener today it's you need to do some reimagining with how you see heaven and how you see the resurrection of the body like we're going to continue talking about here but it is to try to try to retool your or reboot your imagination and how you think about what what God intends for us and for you and for humanity um, with the resurrection of the body that they're not separate things but but whole and one. I think it's a it's a big thing we have to overcome when we when we talk about what resurrection is all about for sure. In Philippians, Paul says in chapter three, verses twenty and twenty one, it says, "The Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body." Hmm. So. God will transform our lowly bodies, these bodies that we have now that will be planted in the ground and like a seed at death. They will be raised uh, like his glorious body. Again, that prototype is this is the work of God that's transformation. And as we follow in this line of thinking of Jesus's physical resurrection body, we're reminded that Jesus was the first human being who ascended to heaven with a physical human body, uh, which is incredibly powerful when you think about it. Uh, that we are meant uh, to live with God with a physical body. That's how it's always been designed, and Jesus is the first one to enter into heaven um, in that physical body because he's the only one who has ever lived without sin. Yeah. Deep. It's crazy to think Deep. about Jesus is somewhere physically right yes. now. Yeah, like get your head wrapped around that. (laughs) Like Jesus is physically some, and and he's God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, blows your brains, brain leaks out your ear kind of situation. But Jesus is physically present with us and in heaven. I I mean, it's just hard to get you, again, we have to reimagine what that might look like and what that. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, and that's the beauty of the ascension is that Jesus did something uh, that opens the door for our resurrected bodies to encounter heaven. Because of sin, our bodies can't encounter heaven the way that it was designed with Adam, right? And so Jesus, uh, his resurrection body is the template, and then he ascends in his physicality to heaven and is human. I mean, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. It's a human being, a resurrected human being at the right hand of the Father. And as we talk next week, which I'm super excited to get into life after life after death, uh, what life will be like in the new heavens, in the new earth, Jesus has opened the door for the physicality of the resurrection to be our future so that we can live forever with Jesus on a resurrected earth with resurrected bodies. It's all because of the work of Christ uh, ascending to heaven in that human body, uh, allowing heaven and earth to be merged together. The the sacred and the uh, the sin to, to kind of find their way, uh, be restored and made new and whole. Anyway, did I yeah. just 
go. Did I go too deep there? <laughs> no, I'm excited. I was actually just thinking about, oh, I can't wait to talk about that reality too, the heaven after heaven after, you know, however you're describing that. But, <laughs> it, <laughs> but it's, it is, it's amazing to think about how God is, is moving us. The trajectory of humanity is paving the way for this recreation event or this final creation event where God recreates heaven and earth in this new physical, spiritual reality where we will bodily be experiencing life after life, after life, after life. Yeah. However many you had life after death. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think of this, you, you'll love this John Gibson. I, the thought of heaven, uh, this new heavens and new earth and the thought of food in the new heavens and the new earth. I mean, we, and we'll talk about this next week. We'll have this big conversation about food, but just to get you a little hungry out there, listener, uh, you know, we, we have our favorite foods now, you know, I love to smoke chicken wings and smoke briskets and all that stuff. And I know you like to smoke meat mm. as well, John, mm. and it tastes amazing, right? But can you imagine what food will taste like, uh, the way it was meant to be without all the preservatives and all the junk and all of the things that we, you know, that lessens the taste buds, that lessens the experience. But can you imagine what food would have tasted like to Adam? And can you imagine what food will taste like to us in the new heavens and the new earth as we sit around the marriage supper, the great table, and we celebrate the, the wonders of the resurrection of Jesus uh, and feast and feast and feast uh, with Jesus. Anyway, I'm getting hungry now. I know. I was just thinking I got to go barbecue something later. <laughs> uh, but it brings up a, a, an interesting question, though. I think in all of this conversation, Jesus was the prototype, resurrection of the body. I think as evangelical Christians, we we tend to just um, hope, hopefully accept this reality because we want heaven to be true. Um, but the first Corinthian believers are a great example. And I think it's still true. We say we believe in the bodily resurrection of Christ, and we hope for resurrection somehow for us, bodily or otherwise. But but first century Corinthians were struggling with this issue. How could this? Did Jesus really resurrect from the dead? Was did the guards just take a nap and miss that he wasn't really there? How do we know? And I think it's important for our listeners, and and I know we've had conversations about this because it it is we can enter into the story and understand what was surrounding this resurrection event of Jesus and how can we enter in and, and find ourselves um, in a place where we can, we can get behind this idea that, and it's not an idea, this truth that Jesus was bodily resurrected, that his, his body was put into a tomb, then it was no longer there. So we're not talking about appearances of a dead man, which people all across human history have experienced this reality of, of the spiritual experience. And in the first century church, this was a prevalent experience among people. They would see their dead loved ones have visions of dead loved ones. It was not some weird thing. So for them, this reality of they could get behind this idea that Jesus might have appeared, but was Jesus really bodily resurrected? It was a radical concept and idea and truth in the first century church. So how can we, uh, how can we work through that? Jesus was bodily resurrected thing. Okay. So yeah, this is, this is great. So I, I believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. I, I do honestly believe in it. And I have a few reasons why I think it actually happened. Right. I, I think number one, uh, the tomb was empty. Right. And, and if someone just took 
the body away, or let's say the soldiers took the body away, wouldn't they just bring the body back if they wanted to dispute the claim that he resurrected? So yeah, absolutely. that's my first. Yeah. That's, so I think that's one. I, I think number two is uh, that there was all of these people who encountered Christ after his death. Um, I mean, in, in Corinthians, it said over 500 people at one time. Yeah, right. I mean, that, that's more filled than with firsthand accounts of people exp- encountering Christ. Obviously, we talk about those. Yeah. And it, doesn't it take like two witnesses, two or three to be I don't remember how that works in the Jewish time. But it only took a couple to be verifiable witnesses. Right. So yeah. over 500, that's like a, a statement of what? Whoa. Right. And so yeah. the, Paul is making sure that we understand that. These were not he just visions. A lot of people. People were having yeah. of a dead person. Yeah, his, the the combination of nobody and the combination of multiple multiple people having an eyewitness like experience with the appearance of Christ kind of took it out of the realm of it wasn't just a vision. It was a verifiable resurrection account. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think also if you take a look at the four gospels, their their accounts are a little bit different. And if if you were, you might think, well, that just shows you that it was fake. But if you really think about it, if you wanted to communicate uh, a fake story, they all would have shared the exact same details. Yeah. Uh, and so it's illogical for these four gospel writers to write the resurrection in the way that they wrote it. Uh, and so it's quite intentional that they were sharing from their perspective many years later, the details of the encounters that stood out to them. Which just goes to show you the, the kind of the reliability of the text, which is really kind of cool. It's almost like a car crash. We, we, um, if if you and I would see a car crash, uh, probably our experience of that car crash uh, would be different details. I would Absolutely. see it from a different view. And so there's four gospel writers, and so there's no evidence whatsoever that they colluded um, in telling the story. They were just four uh, eyewitnesses, so to speak. Um, details, and I think last, not not, but not least, um, <laughs> I, I think one of the reasons why uh, that we can truly, honestly believe that the resurrection of Jesus actually happened is because the first eyewitnesses were women. Yeah, I think um, that's fascinating. Yeah, which which you know kind of sounds weird for us to even say that, but in that day, women were were not uh, considered reliable witnesses and weren't allowed to testify in court. And so if you wanted to tell some sort of story, a fake story, and say, hey, you're Messiah, you know, he really died and he's really dead for good. But, yeah, let's pretend he resurrected. You surely wouldn't say that women were the ones that first witnessed it. So uh, actually by saying that the women were the witnesses uh, really actually gives us some, you know, gives some credibility to the story. Um, but, yeah. yeah. What do you think? I, 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 all of those things, you know, I think it's important. And, and there's an element of faith, you know, we're entering back into these ancient stories and um, firsthand accounts of the experiences of first century people. Um, and I'm, I'm all on board. Obviously, I, I believe that Jesus was bodily resurrected, that Jesus is physically present in, a, in, in our reality. And it's something we look forward to. And I do think those verifiable accounts are so interesting that you've brought up, you know, just the multiple, the diverse accounts of the resurrection, the women uh, being the voice of the, the news that Jesus was raised from the dead. All, all It's hard to argue with that reality when we, if we, if we take the Bible as something that we believe is true and not manufactured and in the evangelical world, in our world, uh, we start with that that 
first assumption, right, based on our faith and our encounter with God and, and the historicity of the scripture itself brings us to a place where we can look at that and say, yeah, Jesus raised from the dead. What does that mean for us then, for resurrected people, you know, looking forward to the future? It's just a, a really cool idea of being resurrected someday in the body. Uh, I don't know about that. Or, and I think it'd be cool to talk about that a little bit more again, just back to this idea of our, what is heaven like and what will it be like? I know we're going to get to it next week, but what does it mean to have a resurrected body? You know, and, and I love your metaphor of the seed and the plant that there's something of me now that is this is the seed of that future glorified body. So this, who I am now is not going to be just discarded someday, but it's going to be perfected. And I think that's a really neat idea as well that speaks an inherent value within humanity and people. And I think that's relevant probably to a lot of people. Maybe you listening today, it's this idea that God isn't just going to discard who you are. And I think a lot of times maybe we feel like we should be discarded. You know, I've got so much brokenness and pain. I, I just want to get rid of this thing. Yet so, there's something inherently in us that is redeemable. You know, it's the, the seed of the glorification that will come later. I think that's a powerful idea. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I, I think the, the, um, our stories will, will carry on into the new heavens and new earth. We talked kind of talked a lot, a little about that last time is that, uh, you know, those who are in, heaven now the temporary kind of holding place before the new heavens and the new earth uh they have their stories you know they're aware they're and i, and I believe that I, I believe our stories carry on with us uh we will know who we are we will recognize our loved ones we will continue our stories we'll be able to share memories um but they'll all be in in a in an amazing way restored or renewed or uh you know what i mean they're redeemed redeemed stories maybe is the wording um that the they're not lost uh or or perished but they will live on because of the resurrection of jesus yeah i know some of these first corinthians folks were worried as well what happens if jesus returns and i'm not dead yet <laughs> you know the resurrection of the body seems like and that's more that's towards the end of first corinthians there 51 i believe through 53 and maybe we can use this to kind of end cap our conversation paul because uh, I'm just curious about that. I'm sure other people are. What happens if what happens if I'm still alive when Jesus comes back? Do I not get to experience the resurrection? Am I like left out and like a little envious of all the cool resurrected bodies and I'm just stuck with the old model? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is this is what Paul says. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 53. It says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality. So Paul is saying to the church in Corinth that neither those who have died nor those who are still alive, neither of them will miss out, that they all will experience resurrection. Yeah, like in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye. Uh, this transformation will happen. What a what a cool, beautiful picture, and a, a lot of connection to maybe our understandings or um, beliefs about what the end will look like. Trumpets and flashes, and 
uh, twinklings of eyes are all connected to other understandings of what happens in the end. But <laughs> this transformation we know will be a part of that reality, however it shakes out uh, in the apocalypse, right? <laughs> the the ending of all things. But that yeah, and, and and I think yeah, and I think we have to remember when we pick up Paul uses apocalyptic literature uh, language in that text that we just read you know, a lot of the trumpets and the, you know, all those kind of things are metaphors, right? They're not meant to be literal. They're meant to be like, these are signposts to tell us something. And that usually points us back to the Old Testament, kind of help us understand some of the symbols and stuff from the Old Testament. Uh, but Paul's trying to paint a picture for us, right? Um, and he's trying to do, uh, use the language that the people understood back then. And so for us, we kind of have to kind of dive into their shoes, which we did today. We kind of dive in the shoes of the Corinthians and try to struggle with them a little bit. Uh, but there's going to be a mystery into this. You know, there, not everything is going to be easily defined. Some of it will just have to be experienced, right? Yeah. We're just going to have to experience it. Yeah. And I think the, uh, for me, the most beautiful part of this whole thing, and it's, it's all throughout scriptures is God's focused intent on transformation, you know, and this bodily resurrection is all about that, that process of taking what is in all of its broken mess that we are as humans and bringing about a transformation, a return to what he originally intended in the beginning. And for me, that's just hopeful. Uh, points us to yeah, and, what we can hope for, you know? Yeah, and for me, I, I love the fact that God loves uh, the physical. Yeah. Like, God created the physical. Uh, God um, infused the physical with his sacredness. And God is going to restore it. The physical isn't going to go away. Uh, the, the the future will be very physical. Uh, and I know that's hard for us to ha- you know fathom. But as you, as you said, John, I think, you know, we need to have some renewal of our imagination to be able to imagine a future that is physical, uh, that with physical bodies. And, um, and next week, we're going to kind of continue that conversation and talk about the new heavens, new earth, which will be very physical. So, which is good news for everyone who yeah. likes, like, you know, creation and stuff, like outside and you know, you know. Right. But anyway, <laughs> going for a long and I have some uh, on the beach and <laughs> uh, right, right. And I have good news because people like me who love to read, guess what? I believe in the new heavens and the new earth. It will be the entire library of every book ever written, and still <laughs> new books will be written. So, and you, John Gibson, can write a book even in the new heavens and the new earth to be published yes. if you don't get around to it now. Which, yeah, maybe I'll finally finish what I've been working on. <laughs> right, there you go. I, I, I've not started one, and I don't know if I'll ever get around to it, but, you know, uh, maybe in eternity I'll have time. To do that. But anyway, that's all we're going to talk about next week. It is so good. It's so good news. It's the, the news is so much better than we can imagine. The new heavens and the new earth is what everything has been building towards a new creation. The first creation is dying, but there will be a new creation. And the new creation, we will have bodies that will work in that new creation, that are meant for that new creation. So anyway. Yeah. I'm excited about the conversation next week, Paul. Absolutely. Well, hey, thanks everybody for joining us on the Bible Says What podcast. This has been fun. It's interesting. And the conversation has been head scratching at times. And uh, I look forward to more of this. John, what do you think? Yeah, look forward to it as well. We can't wait to continue the conversation with you. Make sure you like, subscribe, all that kind of great stuff today. Share the Spread the news of, of The Bible Says What. We'd love for you to engage in the conversation in deeper ways. Check out the show notes today as well for ways that you can connect with us. And we can't wait to be back next week.
Yeah, so uh, I am Paul Desay, pastor of Sandy Hook United Methodist Church in Columbus, Indiana. And I'm Pastor John from Living Hope Church in Centerville. Grace and peace, everyone. Take care. The Bible says what? The Bible says what? The Bible says what? What does this Bible say? What? Say what? Say what? What does the Bible say? The Bible says what?